morning. Uh, glad that you're here to uh, worship with us this morning. I'm going to be continuing this week looking at uh, grace. Uh, last week we, we kicked off uh, a new series entitled Grace Anatomy. And basically what, what does grace mean for us um, here in, in real life, in everyday life? And we looked at last week how grace basically allows us to have a relationship with God. And I talked about how God is here and the standard he has set. Um, in, in who he is, is up here, and, and we are here because we've sinned and missed the mark. And grace, through Jesus Christ and faith in him, is what fills in that gap. Uh, that's really what's called saving grace, what, what allows us to stop going our own way down the path of just pleasing ourselves, and really to change roads. And that's what grace is. It's, it's the idea of God has given us a new path for which we can walk, uh, but this morning we're actually going to look at, once we've decided to uh, begin a relationship with God and allow him to, to call the shots in our life as the boss of our life, what does that mean with grace now? Um, my experience with grace in the past has been something that I thought was, was just for freedom. You have grace and it allows you to, to be free. Um, but when you dig into scripture, what you find is, is that grace actually teaches us some things, and we're going to be looking at that. If you have your listening outline, that's how you can follow along, um, and I encourage you to do that. The first, first thing I wanted to point out just about, about grace is that it's something that we're supposed to grow into. The Bible instructs us to, to grow in grace. This is kind of something that, that I never heard of really for, for a long time. Um, like I said, grace was kind of this concept of freedom, but when you dig into Scripture, you, you realize that it's actually something that we're supposed to to grow into. Uh, there's a passage uh, in Second Peter that describes it. And it says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So this passage is actually encouraging us to grow in grace and knowledge. The idea of, of knowledge is, is you're, you're getting to know who God is and what he stands for. And the idea of grace is realizing his character. We talked about that last week, that grace is really an expression of the character of God, his, his goodness to us. So as we, we get to know God, as we dig into the scriptures, the Bible, his word for us, we find out that he really is a, is a gracious God. And it's something that we're supposed to grow into. So what does that look like? Well, when you dig into scripture, you find that, that grace actually teaches us some things. As we grow in grace, it actually is a teacher to us. That's that second point. As we grow in grace, it teaches us. Titus 2, 11 through 12. This passage is, is packed with basically what grace does for us. And it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation, that's that saving grace, has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Grace to me isn't something that is really denoted instruction, but that's, that's really what this, this idea of grace is. When it says teaches us, that word teach, in the original language, it was written in Greek. It means kind of like a parental instruction. Um, I, I have a daughter, like many of you know, and we're at this point where she is walking, and it's, it's free reign around the house. Um, she can go wherever her legs will take her, which is anywhere she wants to go. So what I've had to do, uh, Sam and I both as parents, is we've had to begin to put boundaries on, on her life. Um, 
mostly cabinets. Cabinets are one of those things that it's, it's so mysterious and everything in there is something that she wants. Um, so what we've had to do, we've had to set little clips up on the cabinets and it was, I, had to, I hate to say this, but the first time that I ever put the clips there, it was kind of an interesting, I felt, you know what, I tricked you. You know, she had free reign. She was opening cabinets, taking stuff out, and we got to do something. The first time she goes with the cabinet with the clip on it, it's just, she gives a look like something has happened. I am no longer strong as I used to be. And I'm thinking, no, there's a clip there. And so, as, as a parent, as I set boundaries, that's kind of what grace uh, is. It's not just something that, that God gives us so we can have a relationship with him, but it actually, it sets the boundary for our lives. And... When you think about grace, the scriptures show us that these boundaries is what protects us, uh, what helps us in life. We're doing this as parents to protect our daughter, not just to, to do it so she can't get in the cabinets, but there's things in the cabinets that could hurt her. That's, that's really what God's grace does. Is it's, it's a barrier um, on this road that he's given us. As, as he's given us a new road to travel on, he's put these barriers up by his grace. And it's to protect us from going off track of the things that, that can harm us. As we grow in grace, what we realize is these barriers, these really are because God loves us. And these things go into our heart and we realize that we're going to choose to do what God wants. Not because of all the rules that he set, but really because these guardrails protect me from going off track. And that's the picture that, that grace is. And we're going we're gonna to look into that. So if it teaches us, like a parent would teach a child as they set boundaries, teaches us uh, two things. The first thing is it teaches us to say no. Uh, In Titus 2, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. This idea of ungodliness is basically putting yourself as the center of the universe. Doesn't that sound so good? Isn't that what we want to do? We want to please ourselves. And ungodliness is basically saying, I'm going to pursue everything that I want. Around the house, I'm not going to think about the interests of others. I'm going to do what I want to do. It's basically completely selfish. So the boundary that God set is is to move away from ungodliness. The next is worldly passions. That's the idea of doing all that you can do to please yourself. If it makes you happy, you're going to do it no matter what the cost. What you find is, is as, we, as we say no to ungodliness and we say no to worldly passions, we actually realize that, that we treat people better, our relationship with God is better because we're taking ourselves out of the center of the universe. That's the first boundary. As we say no to these, we now, our relationships are sweeter. Sometimes if, you, if you've ever just kind of been in a rut where you're, where you're just kind of treating people badly. And you could tell by the, peop- the way people are responding that you're just kind of irking them. That's kind of what it is when we, we're not walking in grace. We're, we're just doing what we want, rubbing people the wrong way, and we just walk away thinking, well, what, what happened there? They, they kind of seemed upset. But God's grace is saying, you know, the boundary is you need to say no to these. But grace isn't just the absence of these two things, but it is also saying yes. It's the presence of other things. The first thing in Titus 2, again, it says, 
uh, we're supposed to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, but to live upright, self-controlled, godly lives. This idea of upright is the opposite of ungodliness. Upright is we're going to treat people rightly. We're not just going to look to our own interests. Here at Church in the Valley, we have something called the hard attitudes, which are seven attitudes that sum up what the Bible says, the way that we're supposed to treat each other, the way we're supposed to act as we gather together as a, as a church. And the first hard attitude is the idea of living. Sorry, no, it's put the goals and interests above your own. This idea of being self-controlled and the, the next one of being upright really sums this up. It's the idea of other people's goals and other people's interests are more important than mine. Although everything in me wants to take that, that last seat, I will let somebody do that. Or that last piece or that last cookie, that's the one that gets me. You know, even in the simple things, you, you find that, that when you, you decide to, to live self-controlled, that I don't just need to get everything I want at the right, at the certain time. And as you choose to live upright, that, you know what? There's other people that exist. Isn't that just a strange concept sometimes? When we actually discover there are other people in the world besides us. You see, that's what grace does. It teaches us we're self-controlled. We don't just pursue everything we want when we want it. We're, We're upright, which affects our relationship with others. And then we're godly. This idea of God uh, being godly is, is you're, you're fearing him, you're taking him seriously. Since he tells us to put other people's interests above our own, we will do it. Since he tells us to, to choose humility, we will do it. We, we take God at his word. That's what, what godly is. So grace teaches us we, we should say no to ungodliness and, and worldly passions, getting what we want when we want it. And we should say yes to being self-controlled being upright, treating people rightly, and to being godly. Uh, this is really the, the concept of, of having a, a divided heart. Basically, there's a lot of things that we want that we shouldn't have. And there's a lot of things that we should have that we don't want. And as you dig into Scripture, you find this description a lot of this undivided, uh, or this divided heart, I should say. This idea of there's, there's a lot of things that, that I want over here that I'm not supposed to, and, and there's a battle that goes on. Ephesians 4 talks about this idea of, of putting off the old and putting on the new, which is kind of what the Titus passage is talking about. You've got to say no to certain things and say yes to others. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says this. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So it's this idea that even though there's something in us that's, which really is sin, that idea of we just, we just want our own way. It's, it's grace and the boundary that, that makes us realize that, you know what, when we get our own way, it really doesn't make life better. It does seem like it will for a moment, but really we, we don't experience the blessing of God. The way he's wired into it is, is that grace, and when you say yes to those certain things, it really does 
give us a, a transformation of life. That we realize that when we put others in front of us, although we think we're going to get ripped off, uh, we're not. When we actually say no to something that we shouldn't do, we think we're going to get rip, ripped off, but we don't. And that's kind of when we experience the blessing of, you know, this new path that I'm on, this U-turn that God gave me as I made him the boss of my life, this really is better. And that, that really is, is what grace uh, what grace is. There are some barriers, though, as we, as we try to grow in grace. As, as sometimes we, we're on this new road, and there's these guardrails on our life to protect us. We have these barriers. I kind of denote it to being a backseat driver. You know, when you commit your life to Christ as the boss, he's now in the driver's seat. But yet, there's that backseat driver in us that not only do we want to tell God what he should do, but we're kind of like the driver's ed teacher. We want our own steering wheel and brake. You know, he's going this way in, in the new life, and you're kind of like, Turn that steering wheel. And there's two barriers that, that kind of are, are this turning of the steering wheel. The first is, is guilt. There's a passage in Psalm 38 that describes guilt pretty, pretty accurately. Um, and it says, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There's no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. I think the psalmist was a motivational speaker. I mean, he doesn't pull any punches, but that, that really is what, what guilt does. It, it's, it sucks the life out of us. And the psalmist is describing just that feeling of guilt. In this passage, the person had done wrong, and they, they knew that they had done wrong. Sometimes we, we're convicted of our sin, and we, we do receive guilt. Sometimes we, we bring guilt upon ourselves because we think we should have known better. But the feeling of guilt is one that it just we cannot shake it. I've been watching this show on uh, Discovery Channel. It's called Climbing Everest. It's pretty fascinating. It's basically these, these amateurs that have decided they want to climb up to the summit of, of Everest. And right now we're watching kind of them train and get ready for this. And the way they do that is they actually go to Everest and go to different altitudes. What happens is, is they, they're really ambitious. They're talking about all that they want to do. But as soon as they begin to climb, you, you see how being without oxygen is not really a good thing. And as they start going, they're going fast. And then after an hour, they're they slowing down. They lie down in the freezing cold and decide they, they just need to take a nap. They just cannot move forward. And that kind of like the same description of guilt. It, it stops our progress because it's, it's like it just takes the oxygen right out of us. I uh, just heard a, a wise man talk about guilt and why we struggle with just that, that, that low feeling. And really it is because a lot of times we place ourselves so high that it's a long way to fall. When we mess up. In my own life, I realize a lot of times when I'm, when I'm guilty, it's because I, I really think I, I should have done better. Sometimes it becomes a prideful thing. I remember the first time I ever experienced guilt. And I was seven years old. 
That was a long, well, it was kind of a long time ago. And I still remember it. I, I decided through my sister's instruction that I was going to go steal a piece of candy from a store. This was in England, and they're called a sweetie. See, you don't want to say that here. I think that's a little weird. But I was told to, to go steal a sweetie, and I thought, well, of course. I want a sweetie. And if I steal it, it's free. So I, I go to the store, and I, um, I don't know how I was in, you know, inconspicuous. And I walked in, I took the piece of candy, and I walked out. And I, um, the store is right in our, in our neighborhood. It was kind of like a neighborhood convenience store. And I remember I had the sweet, and I'm kind of holding on to it like, this is just a, this is a really neat deal. I just got a piece of candy. And all of a sudden, I, I look, and we have a driveway that was, was really inverted. And at my front door is my parents and my sister behind them. And I remember thinking, uh-oh. And I'm walking up this driveway, and I'm thinking, uh-oh. And uh, I, I got to my parents, and this guilt had started to, to set in. Uh-oh, I am, I'm in trouble. I uh, shouldn't have done that. That was really, really not a good idea. So I go to my parents, and I am just, I'm full of fear. I'm thinking, this, this really wasn't even worth it. You know, my hands are all sweaty. It's sticking to myself, and it's not even edible hardly. So I go to my parents, and my dad, knowing that I needed to do the right thing, told me I needed to head back to the store, tell the, the owner of the store that I'd stolen a piece of candy. So I'd guilt my parents, and then that was like the longest walk of my life. I headed back, and I had kind of a quiver in my hand, and I go, my head's down, and I stole a sweetie. And the owner looked at me and said, you know, Alex, I forgive you for doing that. You can eat it. I was just like, oh my gosh, this sticky, gross piece of candy, now I can now eat. And I did. You see, the, the way that my, my parents handled it, and, and really the owner of this store, kind of how, how God works with us through grace, we... We tend to, to run the worst-case scenarios, and there are consequences. Um, he could have really gotten in trouble. I mean, he could have made me get in trouble even more. Put my picture up, seven-year-old, do not let this kid come in your store. But he didn't. He, he, he gave grace to me, and it was, it was really that the guilt, the guilt was removed. All the things that I, I thought could happen, uh, the store owner had, had grace on me, even though I didn't deserve it. You see, before that time, it was... I, I didn't know what I was going to do. And that's what guilt does. It just sucks the life out of you like, you, like you're, you're without oxygen. That's the first barrier. It's this idea of just beating yourself up with guilt. The, the second is, is performance. That, that is kind of the opposite. As we grow in grace, one of the big hurdles we need to get over is, is the idea that we know better or we need to do all this stuff to to do right, or for God to look upon us with favor. And we talked about that a little last week, but performance um, really is, is trying to cut God out of it. We, we began a U-turn with God, and we're on a new path, but it's kind of like we, we just now want to we'll travel alone. We want to go solo. And this was happening in, in the, the early church as well. Uh, Galatians 3.3 says, Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? 
This idea of being foolish is, you really think you can do this by yourself? You can do the things that God's commanded you by, your, by yourself on your own? It was, it was almost just crazy to think that. But in my own life, I, I, I sometimes do. I go from one extreme, the guilt, to then, I'm going to do this. God, I've got this one. I, I'm in control. And, and we, try to, we try to perform. Have you ever tried to do something that you, you shouldn't do by yourself? I asked my wife this question. You know, I, I wasn't sure of the answer. I said, have I ever tried to do something that I just shouldn't have done on my own? She said, um, yeah, every time you go and lift weights. And I thought, you know what? I think I get injured every single time. And part of it is, is I look at that five pounds and I think I can lift that. Just kidding. I'm at 15 now. Um, but, but it really is, is one of those things that, you know, when you're, when you're weight training without a spotter and you're by yourself, you're kind of looking at that weight. And if you're a guy, you'll, you'll understand this. You're like, I, I got this. I can do it. If you're a woman baking that cake, I, I don't know. I, that, was, that was bad. Cut that. Cut that from the CD. Um, but you know, when you're when you're when you're lifting weights and you, you think you can do it, there was one time I was trying to curl something. All of a sudden, I just felt this like pinch in my neck. Let go. Oop! I couldn't do that. But I, I thought I could. Funny thing is, I've done that a few times. That's how it is in, in life. It's it's we. We go about our own effort and we get beat up by it. We, we experience pain. You know, like just trying to, to love people without really surrendering to God. We, we can't do it. Because there's so many motives in our heart that just want to, to, to do it our own way. But the boundary that God sets in our, in our hearts to protect us is, is really that, that He gives us the strength to treat people right. He gives us the strength to come to Him without fear of, of being rejected. So really to, to jump over these hurdles um, is to ask the question, well, what do I do when I blow it? If, if I'm guilty or I, I think I can do it by performance, what, what do I do when I blow it? First thing is you want to confess your sins. The rest of our life we're going to miss the mark. Each day we're going to do something that, that we shouldn't do. And instead of trying to hide from God, we need to confess our sins. Psalm 69.5 says, O God, it is you who knows my folly, and my wrongs are not hidden from you. There's a lot of times in my own life when I sin that I, I almost act like God doesn't know. And so I kind of set these scenarios where I, I can't go to God unless it's been a certain amount of time when I've sinned. Or, you know what, he, he just is, is tired of me messing up in this way. And so I, I distance myself from God. But the scripture is, is to the point you, you confess because he already knows your sin. Confession is getting on the same page. Since God knows it, I'm going to confess and, and recognize that this is what I've done. You really move past the guilt when you realize God knows my sin. The, the second thing is, is you want to trust God's character, which is connected to confession. 
We can get on the same page because God is who he says he is. Hebrews 10, 22 through 23 says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance, which is really full confidence of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who is promised is faithful. And trusting God's character is, is this idea of God is um, who he said he was and his word is true. Uh, if he says he's going to forgive us, that he will do that. There's not a, a special ritual that we're supposed to do. We just have to be honest with God. Trust that when he says he forgives us, he does. That really is freeing. Because in, in my own life, I realize that there's an element of when we relate to people and they, they may be wrong us. It's so hard for us to forgive. But God, he, he forgives us no matter what we do. And as we trust his character, we realize that if, he, if he's going to cleanse us from a guilty conscience as we confess our sin, that, that he really will do that. And then the, the last part is we need to accept God's forgiveness, which is really stop, stop beating yourself up. As you, as you mess up, you need to really accept God's forgiveness. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This passage and the passage before really give me hope. It's, a, it's an element of, of God makes things new. And, and as we walk with God, there's, sometimes we just... We, we get beat up by, by the choices we make and the decisions we, we have. But these passages promise that, that really as we, as we walk in line with God and within the boundaries, that as we blow it and we, we get on the same page with God, he, he forgives us. And that, that really is freeing. If you have not uh, committed your life to Christ as the boss of your life, grace is really a picture of, of how God... Uh, is pursuing you. There's nothing that, that you have done to deserve His grace. There's nothing that you've done to prevent you from having His grace. Um, if you have been a Christian and, and God is calling the shots of your life, I encourage you to look at certain areas in your life that that you may need to be saying no to or yes to and to, to check the boundaries as you're walking. And also, if you're beating yourself up in a certain area, I encourage you to, to really look at these, these passages and, and realize that God, God forgives you as, you as you confess your sin and, and choose to follow him. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for your grace. I know that I take that for granted as I try to do things my own way. But because of your love for us, you... You have given us boundaries to live by that protect us from ourselves, uh, from pain, from guilt. And I thank you for that. For your unmerited favor, it really is a transforming thing that, that gives us new hope in life. God, will you show us the things in our hearts that we need to...